You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at both Locked On WBB and, of course, at Summit Hoops, two T's in honor of Pat, where we have 24 7 coverage of the wonderful women's game. And we're turning our attention to a program that deserves more attention, and that's Bethune Cookman, uh, which has been an absolute powerhouse now uh, for the past few years. And we're here with the architect of that powerhouse, Coach Vanessa Blair Lewis. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Coming off of some wonderful holidays with the family, a few days uh, away from the team and allowing them to go home with their, their families, and getting into conference play has been exciting. I can imagine. Well, before we get into that conference play, because we should be talking about this team, I want to talk about the family uh, that you got to spend the time with. And it's certainly an unconventional situation. Uh, you being a coach and your husband Eric being an NBA official, what was it like just managing and figuring out how you were going to get that time off over the holidays? Um, well, the time off is kind of already done for both of us, you know, with the schedules being set prior to the season starting. We know, you know, when we're going to see each other this month and when we're not. Um, so, you know, it was it was really good because, you know, they have, they have uh, games on Christmas Day, and so usually he's on one of those games. But this year, thank goodness, he was off uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, so mm-hmm. we got a chance to spend you know, waking up opening presents with the little guy together. And so knowing that ahead of time, I think there would have to be uh, a certain um, amount of uh, pleasure in that. There's nothing necessarily unexpected that comes up, but you also sort of have to reconcile in your mind there are certain days you're going to have to give up, you know, whether it's uh, Christmas on days in the past or, you know, how do you handle those situations, those holidays? How do you do it by remote? Well, with the territory because it's not just me giving up those days it's him sometimes as well because we travel and he may be home and then you know it's his birth it's my birthday or you know we can't celebrate it then but it just comes with the territory and I think that's the beauty of our relationship you know we love what we do and you know we allow each other to give each other the space and the and the time to do it without feeling like you're getting slighted and that's just the beauty of our relationship I'm curious, you know, in general, I would say in the wild, uh, coaches and officials tend to be uh, at odds over uh, basic philosophical differences. Uh, Do you find yourself advocating for team coach in conversations with uh, your husband who advocates for team official when you guys are, say, watching a game together? We very seldom agree on anything when it comes to basketball. (laughs) And so... And so, um, you know, he takes he takes up for his officials, and I take up for our coaches. And there are a lot of warnings. There are a lot of um, getting thrown out of the room. You know, he thinks he can throw me out, and uh, that'll be enough. And he wants to tech me up. And so, you know, I get a lot of warnings at home as well. But he gets a mouthful too. Uh, it's probably a helpful thing for a marriage that neither of you can uh, call a technical foul on the other. I'm sure. Yes. So let's talk about the program that you've built. You guys are the two-time regular season MEAC champs and uh, 31 and 4 in MEAC play since 2016. When you got to Bethune Cookman, what was it that you thought were realistic 
expectations and your goals for the program? Well, when I got to the program, I, I, I believe we had won maybe two games the year before in conference. And so, you know, I work with a, <clears throat> I work for an amazing athletic director, Mr. Lynn Thompson, who hired me, you know, with a vision that, you know, eventually we would turn the program around. Mm -hmm. And I always say to him, you just don't know who you hired because I'm very impatient. Mm -hmm. um, and although it took a lot of patience to get to where we are now, the goal was to try to double everything I did or what was done from the year before. And so in the first year, we doubled the wins from the year before. And the next year, we built a little more. We moved up from last place to maybe ninth place. And so it was just about keeping a goal that was um, that was very doable in mind, not coming in saying, oh, we're going to go from worst to first, or, you know, it'll take us 10 years to get to any place, or having excuses for anything. We just had... We just had a goal. We had a timeline that eventually, and I told Mr. Thompson, this will be a championship program. And not that he laughed me off at all. He just said, take your time. Like, there's no rush here. And mm -hmm. that is, that's an awesome way to be able to do your job with an administrator that doesn't have his hand out saying, what have you done for me lately? And I didn't have that pressure ever in this position. So I think it was easy to grow in the job and grow the girls because there wasn't a lot of pressure coming from the top that you need to do this now. Right. And so he sat back and he stepped back and he allowed me to run the program and you know a couple of years ago he he said you made good on your word we we would be a championship program and we are. So was there a moment where you knew that your plan was working? I'm always curious about that because winning a lot of times is this lagging indicator, uh, even uh, in, in eventual championship programs. And I'm wondering when it, when that sort of clicked for you. Um, I think along the road of winning, there's the losses that are the lessons. And even though there were times along this way, this course, that it didn't show up in the stats or didn't show on the overall cumulative um, wins and loss record. There were times that we lost as far as the game went, but I knew that we won as far as a program. And there were many of those because I don't think that you can get to winning in the program without having wins before you actually win the game. Mm -hmm. And so that was that those were the telltale signs to me that were we getting better even though we lost were we getting better in this area where we put our focus or our attention on and then we were able to start to get better recruits and so maybe the loss that was 20 points two years ago maybe that loss was only nine and so even though it still was a loss as a coach that was a win for me because that was a goal that was set by the program and then you just started winning and able to attract a better player, a more talented, a skilled player, a more IQ player. And so it shows up, winning shows up in losses a lot of times if you keep your goal in mind of what you want to achieve. When you look at the, t the players who are helping you to continue that legacy going forward, uh, one who really strikes me is Angel Golden, who's obviously stepped up, not just in terms of scoring, but when you look at her ability, despite having the ball in her hands as often as she does, to limit mistakes and her turnover percentage is just 8.2 percent which is just simply remarkable for someone in the backcourt what is it that has allowed her to not only improve her efficiency but to really limit the mistakes 
Well, I think she plays with some tremendous point guards who know they know how to feed her and when to feed her. So she doesn't have to do a whole lot off the dribble. She doesn't have to make a whole lot of decisions in traffic, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So her job is to be able to get open, catch, and be ready to shoot. And that is just where her, her, her ability lies, and she does a great job at it. But on top of it, our, our point guards get great assists from that because they know where to find her. You have four different players on the roster with an assist percentage north of 20%. In your mind, do you view your offense as something that needs to be run out of multiple points, or do you think that ultimately that's just a function of the way your team is, uh, is put together this season? Uh, I think that was intentional with how we you know, had been building the program as far as having threats everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so there, this offense doesn't have to go necessarily through just this one person or these two people. We have punches, as as we like to say, all over the floor, you know, um, and and on the bench. Our next five that come off the bench could start for any program in this conference, mm -hmm. and so that depth ha has allowed us to have a freer offense where all of our players at any given point can have 20 points a night because the offense isn't just geared around one or two players. When the defense allows you to stay in every game, that obviously makes a significant difference. You looked at defensive efficiency and you have a top 30 team, uh, no matter how you measure it, and that comes off of a year last year where you guys were 10th. Uh, and field goal percentage defense trailed only Baylor, who, uh, you know, they have Kalani Brown uh, guarding the rim, and, and, and you guys do not. So that speaks to the team's defensive presence. What is it that you think allows your teams to excel at that end? Uh, well, that that is who I am as a coach. I'm a defensive-minded coach first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I adopted uh, the Bennett system years ago, the pack line defense, and I just believed that in this conference with the athletes that play, and the skill level they have of getting to the basket, that if we could keep those players out of the paint and make them shoot lower percentage shots, we could have more of a chance to win. And so when I got the job here, we started initiating and putting in the pack line defense. You know, and it's not traditional. It's not up the lane in the lane. You know, it's more we're just going to take care of this paint, you know. And, and so the girls have bought into it. And I kind of beg to differ about the Baylor thing. We finished with the number one shot blocker in the nation in Kaylin Williams, so she was able to guard the rim very well for us. Um, and not having her this year, you know, at 6'5", and, you know, blocking shots the way that she did, you know, it was, also, it was a question mark of, okay, you know, how are we going to be able to kind of continue on the same path? Well, the defense takes care of that. Mm -hmm. You play the pack line the way it's supposed to be played, and, you know, she made it all the more exciting because she could, you know, kiss it with a cherry on top. And we may not have that in the paint this year, but we're still, you know, at our goal, holding team teams in the low 50s. Now, you you very much were a product of a defensive system, it seems, uh, when you were an undergraduate at Mount St. Mary's and a rim protector in your own right, uh, and a, a significant one. Do you feel as if it is your work as a player that has helped inform that as well, and is that part of what drew you to this particular system? Well, you know what, it, um, not, not necessarily. At, at the Mount, I played with um, 
and I played for an unbelievable coach in Bill Sheehan, uh, you know, may rest in peace now, but we had a powerhouse offensive team. Like, we scored, like, in the 80s. Like, th these teams I played on were unbelievable. And not that he didn't teach defense, but I would beg to say that we were more offensive-minded than defensive-minded. So in college, you know, what I did at the rim was just something that I did, but it was not something that was taught or or insisted upon that was done every single night like we do here. It was more get in the gym, let's get up shots, and, you know, you're going to have to find a way to stop us. Right. And on most nights that was very hard to do. I, I can't say that I lost maybe lost 20 games in college. Hmm you know, in the conference. So we were more of an offensive-based system. Um, for me, taking over this job, I looked at the stats to say, okay, how can I go from worst to first? How long would that take and what needs to be done? And so we were giving up a lot of points and not able to score a lot of points. So it was kind of very easy to say, okay, we got to do something. So until I can get the firepower in here to be able to score, i got to be able to stop you from scoring. Right. And so that's where we just kind of moved our focus into more of a defensive frame of mind. When you look back at the last couple of years, obviously there's a tremendous amount of success that you've seen, uh, gotten you to the WNIT as well. Uh, but does it stick out to you as sort of that next logical step for the program that even though it's a small sample size, winning those games to win the conference tournament, to get to the NCAA tournament as the thing that you feel is next in your progression? Absolutely. You know, I think it was a, a huge hole in, you know, the girl and the, the girls and the coach's heart last year to not come away with it all. You know, and that was our goal going into last year to, to win it all. And although, you know, everyone will make you say, think, hey, hey, you got a postseason. Like, you guys have never been here. It's been 40 years since you were ever in a championship game. And, yeah, and all those things mean a lot, I'm sure, to the program overall. But it doesn't mean a lot to the heart that night when you know that you left something on the table. And that's what we're fighting for now is to get it all. And, and was it helpful, do you think, those, those twin WNIT matchups, uh, you know, obviously to, to play Wake Forest last year and to play a Power 5 team. And the year before, I, you know, Florida Gulf Coast, obviously a mid-major, but uh, with very much a WNBA talent and Whitney Knight uh, leading the way for them. Do you, do you see a difference that doesn't necessarily show up in the wins and losses in how that helped prepare your team uh, for subsequent seasons here of conference play? Do I see? What was that question? Do you think that playing those teams, those programs, and that kind of uh, elite talent has helped you guys in, uh, in getting better? Oh, no doubt about it. You know, and it's not just those two WNIT games um, um, that this falls on. It's the non-conference teams that we play mm -hmm. that, you know, really help us step outside of the box, you know, especially like this Christmas where we played Richmond and you know, a wonderful A-10 team, and yeah. to be able to go in and handle them the way we did. And um, and then Texas State, who, you know, I, when we step out of conference, to go out there and be able to compete, you know, and, and no, it's not the Tennessees or the Yukons, but, you know, for these girls to step out and step up to another level, you know, it's awfully impressive. And those are the teams that get us ready for the next level. And, and Taylor Deere is a future WNBA player in her own right, so having to go up against her is... Uh, is no easy task with uh, Texas State as well. So 
when you think about where you want the program to be, let's say by the end of this decade, what do you think is reasonable? Do you think an NCAA tournament victory is what you guys are aiming for? Do you think that uh, coming out of the MEAC, where there is more and more talent every year, that there's an opportunity to build a real significant mid-major power, uh, the likes of which uh, we have not really seen out of that out of that conference in recent years. What what is the summit for you for this program? Well, well, I think initially the summit is continually having above 90% graduation rate. When I came to take this job, it wasn't just for basketball. And if, and if you have a good coach, it is about these young ladies going on to be successful and uh, products of, good products of society. So I'm, I'm really impressed with what we've, we've done academically first. Um, and I definitely want to continue on that. I think one of my goals is to be on the WBCA top 25 academic team. We did that at Mount St. Mary's, and I mm -hmm. feel that you know, we can do that here. We sit right now at a 3.2 GPA, and, you know, we have work to do in the classroom, and I push that just as much as the work on the floor. Um, I think the smarter you are in the classroom, it translates. And so getting those smarter kids, those IQ kids, can help us get to the athletic level that you're talking about, the summit. And I think the summit for us is continually stay being a MEAC champion, but to also have um, those trips to the NCAA year after year. And I think within the next five years, especially how the game of basketball is being allowed to be, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say it, how, how transfers and fifth-year players are allowed to go anywhere they want, mm -hmm. I think that we could assemble something special where we could see a postseason berth and a win in the tournament. Well, it wouldn't surprise me at all. It's certainly the trajectory that you guys are on, and uh, I, I just applaud what you've done in the program so far and be uh, keeping a close watch on where it goes from here. Coach Vanessa Blair-Lewis, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. And just a reminder to our listeners, go ahead and uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Go ahead and tell people about us so that there are more listeners and more people hear about the wonderful world of women's basketball. I'm your host, Howard Meddow, wishing you a wonderful day.